chapter 2. Love the songs uh, that we sang today. Uh, talking about freedom. Uh, some of you are new to church. Some of you, maybe this is your first time to church in a long, long time or even ever. And that's great. That you're in the right place, okay? And so, I, I don't know if you heard or noticed that one of the lines that we just sang, Jesus is waiting with open arms. I don't know if that's your picture of God. You know, C.S. Lewis, no, no. One author said, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God, right? And so what comes to your mind when you think about God? Maybe it's a furrowed brow and getting onto you because of what you did yesterday or last week or last year, but that's not the picture of Jesus. He's waiting for you with open arms. So if it's your first time in church today or first time in a long time, or maybe you feel apart from God or distant from God, he waits for you with open arms. To, he, he is eager to forgive. He's eager to start or continue a relationship with you. We just saying Jesus over everything, okay? You know, your, your life is kind of upside down when you're over everything. When your fear is over everything, when your anxiety, when your will is over everything, your life is upside down, but it becomes right side up when Jesus is over everything. So I encourage you today, if you're apart from God or you need to get back with God, that's how life's supposed to work. When he's over everything and he is preeminent in your life, that's how life works. Okay, first sermon down, one to go. Philippians chapter two, like I said. So the passage today so the, these verses don't contain any of your favorite verses, okay? Uh, you don't have any tattoos of these verses today. None of you, this is your life verse, probably. It's basically a travel log, okay? It's basically Paul telling the church in Philippi, hey, some missionaries and ministers are coming here and going there. And so, you know, Paul goes from, work out your salvation. And, you know, I'm pouring my life out as a burnt officer. So th these Passages that are famous that we know so well, and he goes to a travel itinerary. In fact, you want to just kind of skip these verses and go to the good stuff? Okay, one person. Okay, come on. Uh, you're encouraged to interact with me today. Go ahead. And so while that kind of, you know, when you read these verses, that may be our initial reaction. Actually, let's get to the good stuff. The, the next chapter four, when it gets to really talking about our anxiety, these things that we're talking, let's go and get there. The example, the ideas that Paul shares today with the church in Philippi may be some of the most important ideas in the Bible, in the, in the letter to Philippians for sure. So, you know, we talk a lot about, we love talking about as a church, blessing our city and blessing schools and being great neighbors and blessing our neighbors and uh, doing so many things to make Fort Worth more like heaven so that we think that as we bless people and serve people in our city that Fort Worth becomes more like what Jesus, for, what Jesus wants Fort Worth to be, right? We love doing that. And today we're going to go a little bit past Fort Worth and talk about the ends of the earth, okay? We're going to talk about God's heart for the nations. And if you remember that song, that kid's song, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the <laughs> Okay, uh, Pastor Jeffrey's got to teach me how to, okay. Uh, but that simple children's song, he's got the whole world in his hands, teaches us one of the most important truths that we see about God in the Bible, that he loves the whole world, period. No exceptions. Every man, woman, boy, girl, across the world, Jesus wants to know. He wants them to know his love. He wants them to experience the hope and joy that we get to experience. And so the way that happens is we go. 
That's the way that happens. So our church and churches like ours send well-trained missionaries to every corner of the world so that people can learn about Jesus and learn the Bible and get to know Jesus on a personal level. And y'all know, so if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that my parents, uh, my, my family were missionaries to the country, to the region of Central America, to the country of El Salvador, okay? And so, you know, uh, my dad's life's work was to plant churches in eastern El Salvador. That's how you're supposed to say it, okay? So, so we, you know, went down there 36, 37 years ago, and he trained and discipled some church planters who trained and discipled some church planters who trained and discipled some church planters. And so even today, now there are some grandchildren of the original planters who are planting churches. It's this generational thing that happens. God, God's kingdom multiplies, we see in the scripture. So uh, what we see is God's kingdom multiplies, not adds. In God's kingdom, we multiply, we don't add, through local churches sending missionaries to the nations. It's a big vision that God has for our church. And what we'll see today is Paul doesn't just send people he can spare. He doesn't just send people who he couldn't get to volunteer anyway, so y'all can go, okay? He sends his very best. He sends his own son in the ministry, Timothy, the, the, the person he had poured into more than anyone else. He sends Epaphroditus, who had been so meaningful in his ministry. So the Philippian church had actually sent Epaphroditus to Paul with the gift, and now Paul, after him serving so faithfully, he's sending Epaphroditus back. All right, look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 19 to 30. Y'all ready? Okay. Paul said, I hope in the Lord Jesus. To, what's that word? To. Let's try it again. I hope in the Lord Jesus to. Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek, all those other people seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, Philippian church, Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself can come to you also. I have thought it necessary to... To you, Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you, all of you, and has been distressed because he heard that, because you heard that he was sick. He was so sick, in fact, that he almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow if he had died. Verse 28. I am the more eager to him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing Epaphroditus again, and that I may be less anxious. So, please receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, uh, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever." The idea to send comes from God himself. It's his very character. In John 20, we see Jesus said to his disciples, peace be with you. They were a little bit scared. And then Jesus says this really profound thing. As the Father has sent me, just like that, I'm sending you. It's really profound. Jesus said this to his disciples right after he rose from the dead, right before he was going to go back to the right hand of the Father and be, uh, not be with them physically. So he's telling his disciples, up to you, pals. You got this. So the idea of being sent is central to God's Trinitarian relationship, and it's central to understanding for us the ways of God. Soapbox alert. 
Mission or missions, that word, as a reference to people sharing their faith around the world, that's how we often use it, you know, extending the church and fulfilling the Great Commission, that's a relatively recent application of that word. If you recall in the 16th century, the Jesuits, in the 16th century, the Jesuits first began to use that word mission like that, like in reference to spreading the gospel to people who aren't yet Christians. And until that time, until the 16th century mission, that word was used exclusively with reference to the doctrine of the Trinity, that is, of the sending of the Son by the Father and in reference to the sending of the Holy Spirit by the Father and the Son. So, To put it plainly, mission is way more about God and who he is than about us or what we want to do. It's all about God. Famously, John Piper, in his really great book that you ought to read, Let the Nations Be Glad, uh, John Piper said, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist where worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. A missionary's goal is for more people to worship our God in spirit and in truth, for God's glory to spread across the world because God is ultimate. That's the point of missions, is God's glory to spread across the world for worship to multiply. Look at verse 22 again. I really want you to see that Paul invested in Timothy as a son. He used that word very specifically. There is no closer relationship than father and son, okay? Okay. I have no closer bond than with my daughter or with my sons, right? And so they get my best time. It's a joy to provide for them. I love that. I want them to have a better life than I've ever had. And so look at this analogy from Paul. In the ancient world, when this letter was written, where we are in Philippians, it was written in the first century. And when this was written, most sons ended up doing what their father did. Okay, so if your dad was a farmer, almost certainly you were going to be a farmer. Okay, if your dad was a baker, almost certainly you were going to turn up and be a baker. So your primary apprenticeship was with your father. And so you didn't move off to go to culinary school to learn to become a baker. No, Uh, your dad showed you for years and years and years to the point to where you knew what he knew. You could do it like he could do it. And so the depth of what Paul is saying is a little bit lost on us because... You know, I don't take my kids to work and then see what I do every day, and so that they don't go out with me to visit, and so same in most of our uh, professions. And so Paul's analogy, remember, is based on the ancient model. Timothy had apprenticed under Paul. So now his purpose was to know everything that the apostle Paul knew, to be able to do and say everything that the apostle Paul did and said. And so imagine the hours that Paul invested in this man. Imagine how proud he was of Timothy. Imagine the love that they shared and all the memories that they had together. And as a side note, and while this is the old way, man, do I hope this becomes our way, that we invest in young men and young women and take them under our wings to bless and guide and teach. And so Paul invested in Timothy as a son, and then he sent Timothy on mission ready to make disciples. And then Paul mentions Epaphroditus, who look at verse 25. Just look at how Paul describes him. Brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, messenger, minister. Pretty solid list in one short verse. And so the Philippian church, remember, had actually sent Epaphroditus to Paul with the gift for his ministry to sustain his ministry. And then now after serving very faithfully alongside Paul, Paul's sending him back and he's saying, hey, I'm going to miss him. He almost died for the sake of the gospel. Now I'm sending him back to bless your church. So with all this in mind, okay, with... Uh, that we get sending from the Trinity, 
Okay, well, then we get sending itself from the Trinity, and now we see Paul sending Epaphroditus and sending Timothy. That's who we are as a church, not just who we want to be, but who we are. So I want to introduce you to three families this morning who have said yes to the call to go to the nations. Pastor Chris, if you'll come on up, he's going to tell us about our first family who are imminently going to Angola to be, uh, and in fact, as he's coming up there, there's a prayer card in most of your seats with, so you can put this on your uh, fridge or wherever so that you can pray for them regularly. Yes, uh, Nzatu and Kayla Razafimbahini. You can say that five times real fast. I've had five years of practice and still mess it up sometimes. Uh, but uh, Kayla and Nzatu, uh, if you meet them, Nzatu will say, I'm from Madagascar. She is from Texas. That's, uh, that's what he, he will say. Uh, that's not the best impression, but that's the best I can, I can give him. We laugh and joke about that um, all of the time. But I, I've had the privilege of being able to pastor them for over five years and be able to walk through life with them. And when Matt talks about God sending some of the best of the best, uh, they are truly an example of that. They have three precious girls, Naomi, uh, Ellie, and, and Abigail. And uh, you can see some pictures uh, there. Um, and uh, they, uh, Kayla has been uh, through, the, through the pipeline with International Mission Board. And she's been a journeyman missionary and spent uh, several years overseas and serving in missions and has always felt that call. And uh, Nzatu uh, came here uh, to Southwestern Seminary to uh, get his Ph.D., and in that process, he and uh, another student, along with some others and partners and, and partner churches, have actually helped launch and establish a seminary uh, in Madagascar, uh, in his home country. And uh, the plan was for them to, uh, once he finishes his degree, to go back there and be physically there and help develop uh, the seminary and all the ways it's up and running now, most of it remotely, and they're trying to, to build out systems and people uh, both locally and remotely uh, to make this seminary happen and to go well, and that is continuing, and that's part of what God's called them to do. Uh, but in recent days, God has somewhat redirected their calling. As Pastor Matt said, they are uh, headed soon to Angola. And what they're going to be doing there is they're going to be doing some theological training. They're going to be training and teaching pastors and teachers and leaders there, along with lots of other uh, mission work. Uh, their last Sunday with us, I believe, will be Easter Sunday. Uh, March 31st, and then they'll be going to Virginia for some training for a couple of months, and then uh, before summer starts, uh, all the way uh, overseas. And um, it was a privilege uh, this week uh, to be at their official commissioning service uh, in Phoenix, Arizona on Wednesday night uh, on Valentine's Day. And there were 62 missionaries that were commissioned and officially set apart by the International Mission Board to go overseas. And let me tell you, as Matt has preached from this passage today, this is God's purpose and God's calling, and He is sending His children all over the world. And 62 of them, uh, they all got to briefly share in, in less than a minute their that testimony and where they're going and what they're going to do. And many of them had to stand behind screens. We could only see a silhouette of them as they're going to places that uh, are dangerous and can't publicly be known that they're going there as missionaries. And the majority of the missionaries that were commissioned were standing behind where we could only see their shadows. In fact, there were two or three couples whose face and voice are not allowed to be seen or heard, and they stood behind those screens and someone else shared their testimony on their behalf. It's chilling to think and see 
that these people like Inzatu and Kayla and so many others are saying yes to God's call to take the gospel to the nations. And I'll tell you, it was incredible to see young singles, to see young marrieds, some without kids and some with kids, and, and, and median adults. There were retirees who have served a, a full career in their career field and are retired and are now answering God's call to go overseas and take the gospel to the nations. So, and Zatu and Kayla, we're so proud of you, and we're so thankful for you. We're going to miss you and selfishly don't want you to go, but at the same time can't be more excited to send you and to go with you in love and in prayer and support to see God do something incredible in you and through you and continue what He's already doing in you and through you right here in the city, right here in our church, right here among our people. So in Zatu and Kayla Rasafin Bahini and their three precious girls are headed overseas to Angola. And we're proud as Redemption City Church to be sending them. As we talk about how to pray for these families, uh, I would love it. If, so if, if you lead a ministry here or you lead an on-campus group or an off-campus or in-home city group, I would love. And I think you should make it a practice to pray for these missionaries by name at least once a month. Because, you know, as, we, as they go, as we send, we're going to cover them in prayer for years and years and years and years. It's not just like, okay, so just so you get the full picture, all right, see you guys in heaven. No, it's not like, okay, we're going to send you and then on to the next thing. No, we're sticking with you. We're sticking with you to the very, you know, to, to, you know you're, there'll be lonely days, there'll be tough days, and we're with you, even if not physically, we're with you in prayer and in spirit. And so once we send them, we'll go visit them. I've already been looking at uh, air, airplane flights to Angola. Never done that before. Okay, but I'm in. I'm coming, whether you're ready or not, okay? So we'll pray for them often. We'll send funds and encourage them. Uh, you know, we'll go visit them, and we'll miss them. This isn't an easy thing, you know, especially those of you who are close with these families. And so make no mistake, we're sending our best. They don't just hand out PhDs. Okay, they don't just hand those out. And we send through tears knowing that this is God's way. We send our best and they multiply themselves to make disciples and start churches and help the poor and serve those in need. This is God's call for us across the world, not just in Fort Worth, but across the world. You know, we're the ones, we kind of get a bad rap in the media sometimes, but we're the ones feeding the world. We're the ones giving refugee care around the world. And so these families are going to take care of people in Jesus' name. And so one thing I love, we've been talking about the IMB International Mission Board. That, so it, it's, uh, you know, that uh, mission board has sent more missionaries than any missionary or organization in the history of Christianity. And our church has supported, in every iteration, our church has supported them financially every month since we started. And so uh, we, we love partnering with them. And the IMB, they send groups, so, so they send clusters or teams, okay, so that as our families go, they're not going to be all alone. So I went to Poland last year to visit some IMB missionaries. And, you know, one night when I was there, IMB missionaries from across Poland got together for dinner. So they, they have, they try to make sure that there's a team. And so in addition to us caring for them and praying for them and getting their back, and when they come home, we're going to celebrate like crazy, all those things, they'll have a team uh, that they're part of. In 2019, my wife and I got to go to Thailand, and there was a, I can't tell you a lot of details because it was from a, a region and a cluster that 
It's like a secret thing. And so we got to preach and minister to, I got to preach to over 200 missionary families. And it was amazing to see the rejuvenation that came over them as it's hard. Being a missionary, there are lonely moments. You're pouring out and you're giving and you say football and they're talking about a different sport altogether. It's, there's all kinds of things going on. They're speaking different languages. We're going to contexts that are often hostile to the gospel, not just you know, against the gospel, but hostile at the government level. And so we're going to, you know, it's, so we will stick with our missionary support and they'll be part of a team and an organization that does the same, that really cares for them. And so we'll pray for them unceasingly. You'll FaceTime with them. We'll, we'll send their kids gifts, all those things. And we see again, Paul said he's eager to send Epaphroditus. Imagine the mixed emotions that Paul has writing from prison, hoping he gets out of prison, but this, this may be his last letter talking about how he's going to send his son, Timothy away to Philippi. And so even though we send through tears, we'll, we'll miss all of these families that we've talked about. We're eager to send these families because right now there are precious people in Angola and these other regions that our missionaries are going to go to. There are precious people there who have no access to the gospel. Even if they want to know God and Jesus, there's no, who do they ask? Where do they turn? And so we go. We send our best to multiply themselves and make disciples.